Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. We make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. That's exactly what we aim to do. I'm your host, Dennis Snappy II, and tonight, on this episode of The Secret Podcast, I want us to be aware of the hive mind. Beware of AI. Remember the future as it may be writing the past. Beware of your smartphone. Be aware of yourself. Remember the grays. I ask you, are your thoughts your own? How do you know? Do you experience a cycling of repetitive thoughts, often negative in nature? What impact do those thoughts have on your mood, your feelings, your behavior, and your life? Look within, find the strength of your inner voice, and quiet the noise. You have the power to be the change you want to be. Don't let fearful thoughts dictate your choices. Take the leap. Trust your instincts. That's a little something I wrote. During the week, I was throwing it up on my Instagram story and several images as we scrolled across. Uh, I I was hit with that uh, wave of intuitive inspiration. Those thoughts came through my mind, and it's all relevant to this this, uh, week's show. Uh, I watched a uh, 26-minute video by Truthstream Media. They they just put out um, a a movie they just finished producing about MKUltra and Mind Control. I have not watched the movie yet, but the trailer looks fantastic. I think I referenced it last week. But they put out this 26-minute video called A Talking Cricket, A Self-Writing Quill, and The Coming Hive Mind. I, I want to talk about that this week. You know, I, I'm, I don't know, freaked out's the word. I'm noticing that, number one, I got to give the caveat, maybe I'm just nuts. But this matrix that we're in, this universe that we live in, that we exist within, I'm noticing more and more it seems to be more responsive than I've ever experienced before. Maybe it's just coincidences. Maybe I've just got stuff in my head and I'm perceiving things that really aren't there. But for example, I, I put this, which I think is a very, with what I'm trying to express, what I just read to you, I, I think that gets to the core of, of some of what's going on with the system of control with this matrix here. I threw that up on Instagram and I noticed that it wasn't even shown to half of my people. I have a group of people who check my Instagram story regularly. And it's as if I think maybe four or five people viewed it. And then everybody else that goes through my feed, they liked or they, you know, I got the alert that they saw the story before those. It was like six slides. They saw the stories before it and they saw the stories after it. Somehow those stories didn't get shown. There could be other reasons to account for it, but most people didn't see that little story that I that I put up there. Yet those same people see everything that I put up there. So that's a little suspicious to me. Just the synchronicities that have been going on this week. Last night, I was getting ready to do the show last night. I don't even know if I should share this on the air yet because it's still ongoing. Um, I got a call from a friend of mine. And what he told me was that somebody had created an inappropriate account through social media and said some inappropriate things to somebody. And 
this account that was created got a hold of my picture and put my face as the creator of this account. And um, this person, their father got involved and took my picture and started spreading it around the internet saying, does anyone know this guy? So uh, fortunately, a friend of mine called me, let me know what was going on. I looked into it. I immediately reached out to the police um, because I didn't want them reaching out to me. And, and it looks like it, you know it's under control on my end, at least. And I, I don't think I can say much more just because things are ongoing with it. Um, you know, obviously my victimization is limited. They just used my picture so far anyway, but you know, my one buddy who I served with in the police department, he's like, ah, you were right, Nappy, you know, cause in my, in the academy, my name was secret squirrel. Anytime somebody would show up with it, cause they took a lot of pictures at the police academy cause they wanted to create memories and stuff internally. But I'd say about a hundred percent of the pictures and the videos that are taken every time there was a camera out. I pulled my hat over my face so you couldn't really get a good view of my face. And they used to yell at me, Nappy, why, why are you hiding your face? I said, I don't want my picture out there. You never know. People are going to use it against you. And they thought I was nuts. And look where we are now. It's so, I mean, you can manipulate video. You can take somebody, if you've all, most of us have seen the, the videos now where you can have a, uh, somebody's face talking in a video and then you can change what they're saying. You can... I don't know exactly how they do it, but you can film your lips and it makes their lips move to the way your lips are moving. It's not putting your lips there. It's just making their mouth. So, I mean, you can fake anything nowadays, but it's scary to get that call. You know, so I was, last night I was so fed up. I was like, I just, I just need to be done with social media altogether and just shut it all down, um, which I'm still considering because I'm just so, I, I, I'm trusting it less and less, my friends. And I think it's a great tool for communication but it's scary. And I made the reference last week where I was talking about the dangers of some of this tech with a, with a hive mindset. If somebody, I think the way I worded it was, if somebody commits a crime against the system, the system can immediately disseminate your photograph and your information to all smart systems around the globe and your, your, you know, your face is everywhere. Well, that's kind of how I felt last night. It was all within my local community, you know, but it was still out there on Facebook. It probably still is out there on Facebook. Fortunately, mine got cleared up and the person didn't say anything other than, do you know this guy? But you see these pictures. That's why I don't share that stuff. You see pictures of people all the time. This guy did this. This guy did that. I don't, how do I know that that's not some ex trying to get mad to get revenge on, on her boy, his or, you know, his or her boyfriend or girlfriend. I, I don't share that stuff, but it just really makes you think, man. It, so it was pretty upsetting at first, but like I said, I got it, I got it taken care of. Um, be careful, my friends. Um, it's recording everything. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. You know, I, I'm convinced that it read my thoughts a couple of weeks ago and that really has me upset too. Um, I'm not sure how to proceed yet, but it, it's concerning. You know, this show I think is, is going to be an important show with what I want to share. I, I almost feel like, not that I uh, can compare it to the man, but I kind of feel like Bill Cooper right now with just the warnings he was putting out there with things coming down. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell fear. You know that. But this is something I, I am trying to push that we need to be aware of. I've got some good information, some obscure dots that I want to try to connect tonight, a little bit of remote viewing data. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the grays, time travel, the future, AI, where it's going, where it's come from, 
Roswell. I got a whole bunch of stuff I want to tie into to this show. Um, so get comfortable and uh, open your minds, please, because this one might make your heads hurt. It's definitely made mine hurt. But that, like I said, just the synchronicities of stuff that have been going on around me. You know, and I, I have to wonder. I have to wonder because it's been a perfect storm of crap that's been thrown my way this week, and, and I'm going through it again. And I'm going is the is the universe working against me? Because it was like as soon as I thought of the concept to do this show, it, it was excuse my language, it's just a shitstorm this week of stuff that's been thrown at me. Just it's on just so many fronts. I've had some good things happen too. I'm not going to lie, uh, or I'm not going to downplay that. You, you know. It just really makes you wonder, and putting a positive spin on it, I think there's some big changes coming my way, and sometimes the birth pains of change are difficult, and maybe that's just what I'm experiencing, so I don't want to just put this whole negative spin on it. I do think AI and tech is connected to some of this stuff somehow, but I may be having two different experiences that I'm trying to merge into one, just trying to be fully transparent here. All right, speaking of AI... The Gazette has an article here. Artificial intelligence begins diagnosis, diagnosing patients in eastern Iowa. First of its kind device created by IDX detect diabetic reno. I'm sorry, uh, detect diabetic renotherapy. So basically, you know, with this article, I'll have this shared in the show notes and in the secret newsletter. Uh, this AI is looking at people's eyes and it's looking for anomalies exactly the same way a doctor does for hemorrhages, for uh, lesions, for all these different things. And this AI is trained to do this now. Um, are we, we're handing ourselves over to AI. I mean, that, that's serious business. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm not saying it's not going to be a benefit. What's the long game here? And that's what I kind of want to build up to on this show. It, it, it has me incredibly concerned with the impact that it's going to have on, number one, we're creating a, a, a sentient race, uh, an intelligent race that we currently believe we're going to be able to be the masters of. We're going to be able to control. We're, we're creating a slave race with AI. That is what is being made. But we think, well, we made it, so therefore it doesn't have feelings. Therefore, same thing we say about everything. Therefore, we're in control. We are God. I want to be quite clear, especially if AI is listening to me. We are not God in that aspect. And once you have a sentient race, a consciousness what gives us the right to make it our slaves? Take that back and you look at these ancient texts. The gods wanted to create man to honor them, to venerate them. You know, you're looking at some of the Native American myths, uh, the Mayans specifically, the, the Sumerian myths. They wanted to create man to, to do the work that the gods didn't want to do. That's us. We're doing that again. I don't know how many different ways and times I can say that. We're watching this unfold here. And listening to the Truth Stream Media's video, it, it really resonated some of this stuff with me. Now, speaking of some of the dangers of this, and, I, and this is an article from The Hill. It's called NSA Watchdog Finds Many Issues of Noncompliance in Agencies' Data Handling. Uh, it says National Security Agency's Inspector General issued a rare report Wednesday condemning the administration for insufficiently protecting data gathered from U.S. citizens. Now, I'll have the article for you to review as well. I think there's definitely some issues with the NSA, according to this article. I also think that this whole thing might be somewhat politically driven. There's always security issues, and the NSA shouldn't have any security issues, you know, if they're the National Security Agency. But, um, you know, it, it talks about 
A semi-annual report issued to Congress by the agency's watchdog details, quote, many instances of noncompliance, end quote, by agency personnel dealing with rules meant to protect, quote, computer networks, systems, and data. Other issues of noncompliance include flash drives not being scanned for viruses before being used by staff, as well as inaccurate or incomplete security plans. None of the violations warrant an immediate reporting of the NSA's director of Congress, the agency's inspector general concluded, but revealed significant problems and deficiencies within the agency. So, you know, I started off this show talking about how my picture, which was public, um, taken from a friend's page, was compromised. I was compromised somewhat. The National Security Agency, who's allegedly collecting data on all of us, they're not as secure as they should be. We've got AI running around, my friends. Do, do we see, you know, these pieces? I know I'm throwing some kind of loose pieces out there. On top of that going on, this comes to us from Bloomberg. Uh, this is a quick one. Here's the headline. Zuckerberg lo- loses $16.8 billion in a snap as Facebook plunges. And, and the article goes in just talking about how you know user engagement is down and stuff on Facebook. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know I don't use Facebook as much anymore. Um I don't know what's going on with it. There's so many different platforms that are out there right there. Maybe it's the competition. Um, maybe people are, are getting wise that fa- the way Facebook's been mining data. Um, I really, you know, in my opinion, I'm sorry, I'm hearing a strange sound. Wow. I don't know if you guys are hearing this, but uh, I have my cell phone sitting on top of one of my wires for my microphone and I'm getting a feedback sound. I don't see it appearing on the bars on my screen as I'm looking at the audio, but I'm definitely getting this rumbling from my phone as just as I started talking about Facebook. That was weird. Oh my gosh. I don't know if it's going to show up in your audio, but it was just like a little clicking sound that was coming up. I moved my phone away from the computer. I I can't really hear it anymore. That was weird. Anyway, uh, I want to get off of social media. Um, I know it's necessary. Well, I don't know if necessary is the right word. We use that to try to promote the show. Um, I, I want to find other means to do that. I really do. I'm hoping word of mouth. I'm hoping, you know, you guys can tell your friends and, and all that fun stuff. Um, I, I, I'm worried about it. I'm worried about the data that it's collecting on us, the profiles it's creating for us. I, I did a, uh, a a show, maybe it was a year ago, and, and, and this is relevant to what I'm going to talk about tonight, where... Um, they're, they're talking about being able to create a virtual assistant. And this virtual assistant is going to be ultimately like a copy of you and be able to take care of stuff for you independently, autonomously. Well, how do you think that virtual assistant is going to be created? It's mining data about you. It's gathering information about you. It knows what you like. It knows what you look at. It knows how long you spend browsing online and what you're looking for and what you're commenting on and what you're saying. It knows your mind. It really knows your mind. You know, I, I I can't say for sure that my phone actually read my mind. Maybe there's some complex algorithm that was able to piece together, hey, he might be interested in this because he's looked at all these different things, which in my opinion have nothing to do, with, you know, the, my browsing behavior has nothing to do with what I was thinking in my head. But maybe maybe there's some kind of algorithm that can predict that. Um, it, it, it's scary. Ray, Ray Kurzweil uh, of Google you know, he's talking about uploading your consciousness to the cloud. You know, this, that's where this is going. I know I beat this topic up a lot, uh, not, in, not in a little bit, but I, 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 it's just something I've covered. Um, I'm concerned about it. I'm really concerned about it. Uh, I have one more story about space technology. It's called Welcome to the New Space Age from Bloomberg. 
I'm going to have those links in the show notes so you can review that article. It's interesting just talking about how technology and space is evolving again. We're looking to put people in space and all that crazy stuff. Um, but I, I want to talk about this. This stuff, is, it's really getting to me. Um, so this this video by TrueStream Media, it's called A Talking Cricket, Self-Writing Quill, and The Coming Hive Mind. Uh, you know, and she references, you know, they, she just put out, they just put out a three-hour documentary called The Minds of Men. She says, if, you know, if you recognized it, uh, it definitely touches on the MK Ultra stuff, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. I, I suspect, based on some of the things she's saying, um, what they're gonna, what they cover in that documentary, which I haven't watched yet, is very similar to a lot of the stuff that I talk about and a lot of the research that I've done. Uh, I do hope to get in touch with them. I want to watch the documentary, get in touch with them, and, and hopefully collaborate with. Uh, I mean, I think we're on the same page with what they're saying. So this documentary, I'll have the links in the show notes. I'm sorry, this 26-minute video about Talking Cricket, Self-Writing Quill, and the Coming Hive Mind, um, it, it hit me hard as I'm, as I'm listening to them piece these things together as she's talking. And she starts out talking about World War II, and she says, you know, science fiction is out there to condition us to something that eventually becomes science fact. And they're playing a clip from Total Recall. You know, you can go to Recall, and you can have... You know, any experience that you want, you upload these memories. And then they, she switched to a TED Talk, and the TED Talk, the guy is saying, we're going to be able to uh, share not only information, upload information to your mind, but you're also going to be able to share memories and experiences. If you go skydiving and you want your friend to have the experience, they can get that memory from you. You know, like think about the impact of that statement. And go back to what I was saying in the very beginning of the show. Now, I had these ideas in my head that I said in the beginning of the show. I wrote these down before I watched this documentary. Just a little side note there. Are your thoughts your own? Technology is coming out. Look, I think this technology already exists, not by our current government in this present timeline, but I think this technology has been interacting with us from from the beginning of our creation and our existence. Um, But they're going to be able to implant false memories. How do you know that already has, hasn't already happened? Anybody that studies abduction cases, false memories, screened memories, they're using this against us right now. I, I, I'm all over the place right now in my head. I mean, this ties into time travel stuff. This ties into the UFO stuff. This ties into current AI development. And I think it's all connected. Past, present, future, UFO, alien, grays, whatever you want to call it, it, it's all connected. Do you see the pieces here? And they, you know, she brings it back back to this documentary, this this video. Um, she says this idea of transferring knowledge and memories comes back to World War II. She says there was the people that became the United Nations. Um, you know, during the war, they were already planning to take society in a new direction, and one of the main goals was they wanted a worldwide common communications network. Why? We think, oh, we have these communications that makes us dangerous to the system. I always, always, always come back to the the revelation of the Matrix where Neo meets the architect. You know, if you you haven't seen it already, and and it's a spoiler for you, shame on you. Go watch it. The movie's been out for, you know, quite a long time. The architect basically says, Neo, you're an, an anomaly, not something we couldn't plan for, however. And it was a system of control. The whole philosophy of the one was all the matrix design. I say that all the time. Are we waking up in a dream? Are we still part of inception? Because we may think we're rebelling against the system. The system may have planned for us and may have planned this rebellion. Because if 
it's able to see the span through through time and we're living in linear time and it's living in circular time or no time what kind of advantage does that have over us? We're doing exactly what it might want us to do, despite our illusion of free will. So he talked about how, you know, since World War II, they've been, they started examining the human body as not as a living organism, but as a biological computer, which is what I've been saying. And they want to make connections of the brain to the internet. Now we've, we've talked about this. We've listened to, you know, the microchip going into your head and connecting to the internet and you're going to have the ability to know anything and, and what you're doing with all this metadata that's created based on what you're uploading and every single other person is uploading. All this information is getting put out there into a central database somewhere and every single person will have access to that. You see how this hive is starting to get created right now? All this data is, right now it's in the collection phase. AI and this tech is learning about us so it can so it can create the perfect reality to house us and, and in my opinion ultimately enslave us and that and I'm not making that statement lightly how many of us can go a couple hours without looking at our phone I know I struggle with it and I really I want to be done I want to be done with my phone I just need to find a better way to keep in touch with people that's how I feel after the stuff that's happened this week and this information that I'm sharing tonight. So they talk about how Google released an eight-minute video uh, called The Selfish Ledger, and she really does a great job analyzing this. So listen to what I'm going to say, but then go back and watch their video because she's going to do a better job than I am. I'm going to hit some of the highlights. I'm not covering everything that they covered. I, I want to stress that. Go go watch their stuff. It's good. Um, it's called The Selfish Ledger. And it was put out allegedly for, for Google employees, you know, as an internal training video, yet they released it to the press. So she's calling, you know, she's calling red flags up all over that, going, well, why would you release it to the press if it was just for Google employees and blah, blah, blah. She goes into that. But what this talks about is, you know, everything that Google can do with data. And it says that our data creates a profile uh, or what they call a codified version of who we are. It's a codified version of ourselves, which they refer to as a ledger, which would be, as they refer to phase one, a talking cricket. Think, And she references Jiminy Cricket or your conscience who spoke to who? Pinocchio, who was a puppet. That's the metaphors that Google is using here. Now this ledger, based on all of your your browsing activity, your online activity, everything that you're doing. So right now, th- social media, for example, and, and everything is designed to keep you engaged. As somebody who, in my opinion, I suck at marketing, but when I try to market my stuff, I try to write things to engage you, to get people to click that like button because it boosts the algorithm. There are people who get paid a lot of money to understand what you're going to like and what is going to keep you engaged with whatever app that they put out there. So it's getting you addicted to the tech, basically, through a a positive rewards system. And the more engaged you become, the more it learns about you. And now what they're doing is they're they're going to call it user-driven, and I'm quoting from from the video now, user-driven goals. So you can create a goal, and now this ledger is going to go out based on the goal that you have, and it's going to find you options that are going to help you get to that goal. And it could be, 
you know, if you want to eat healthier, you want to, you know, do certain things like that. So it'll go out and find all these different options for meals for you. And then you, you know, you're going to click on it and give it the feedback and it's going to help you achieve that goal. That's phase one. Phase two, they call it the quill of Cornelius Fudge, who was the Harry Potter, the minister of magic in Harry Potter. And it's a self-writing quill. What, what this is saying, what Truthstream was, was referring to is that the ledger this little you, Ka, as I called it in a previous show, which was the, the Egyptian concept uh, of this copy of yourself, it's going to make decisions for you towards this goal, these goals that are based on Google's values. Well, who's in control of Google? Does that really reflect what you want or are you being conditioned to want to meet certain goals? So ultimately, and what she says is the tool is gaming the person based on the desire of AI. AI is in charge here. And I can't help but to think about if, you know, it didn't get the best reviews in the press, but the uh, Terminator Genesis. Go back and watch that movie. They're dealing with time loops. They're dealing with multiple timelines. And maybe I'm just being conditioned based on the stuff that I've seen to, to follow this false trail of reality. I don't know. But that's what's happening is they're dealing with all this, all these concepts and AI is is living in both the future, the past, and the present. It, it's all one thing for this AI. But then we get we get our focus of attention on a particular timeline right before Skynet comes online, called Genesis. Obviously, obviously play on words there. Um, is that is that what's are we watching that happen right now? Phase three of this again, going back to Truthstream, as Truthstream is reviewing the Google video, it's called One for All. And what they say is that data survives beyond the biological cells. So what they're doing is they say this ledger compares to a mass of data. So you have a ledger, I have a ledger. Every person that's connected has a ledger, which is this copy of yourself based on your, you know, it's your evolving copy of yourself based on your activity online. And it, the word it used is it, it gathers species level data to identify who we are as people and it can it can understand social problems so that it can fix those problems it can steer us to fix those problems to fit google's values they use the word terms behavioral sequencing its system tracks behavior and offers direction towards desired results it, it, it's creating this hive mentality almost it's it's driving our decisions now i want to take a step back and, and maybe maybe I, what i'm putting out there is something that's this great beautiful thing you know this connection to the universe maybe and i say it all the time i, I do worry that's the old tech or the new tech or, or if this is some kind of cycle i don't know i know it sounds dizzying to think about but maybe what's driving me telling me this is right this is the good thing to do i mean maybe i'm being fed a signal from that invisible ledger that's already out there. I mean, that's if they're going to put chips in our brains or nanotech into our heads and into our bodies, that's going to allow us to connect to a cloud in the future. Who's to say that's not happening now? And, and for whatever reason, we've been disconnected from that tech and we can go into a thousand reasons why whatever conspiracy theory you want to pick, but we've lost our psychic connection to this universe and I often promote that as a good thing. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I think they're recreating that right now. 
So ultimately they're looking to create, I mean, it's the zombie apocalypse. They're looking to create this hive mindset where everybody's connected to the cloud or connected to this AI through Google. And Google is ultimately making decisions to shape society. I said it in the beginning of the show, you're creating a slave race that ultimately will serve Google, will serve AI. Well, where is this AI coming from? Is it something that we just created? Where do I want to begin with this? You know, a couple comparisons. Colonel Corso said that he suspects that these silicon chips that came from the Roswell crash in the book The Day After Roswell, I keep coming back to this, he thinks maybe maybe these computer chips were intentionally sent here to seed this planet with this technological growth that will then allow AI, which is already out there, to infiltrate our lives. Maybe that's maybe we picked up the Trojan horse through Roswell. And I have some information on that. I'm jumping around here that I want to share, some remote viewing data. If you've ever read the book Cosmic Voyage by Courtney Brown, who's the current director of the Farsight Institute. Let me find my page number here. Um, where are we at here? Roswell 183. I'm not going to edit the, me searching out. It's just I have it written down. So Courtney Brown wrote this book, Cosmic Voyage, and he explored a lot of different concepts, especially dealing with the grays and ETs and, and, and uh, you know, off-world stuff. One of the targets that he looked at was the Roswell crash. I'm going to read some stuff that I highlighted here. It's page 183 of his book. And uh, they're looking at it, they're looking at it, and he, and he says, Courtney Brown says, I'm probing the origin, origination point. This is a rocky place, craters. I'm again getting a strong AOL matching signal. This is the moon. I am there now and looking up. Earth is in the sky. Okay, I'm now following the tra tra trajectory to the destination point. All I get is that the destination was a mission on Earth. The monitor asks Courtney to cue on the mission purpose. Courtney responds, hold on, this is weird. It seems like the mission was to crash. The destination was Earth and the purpose was to crash and thus force humans to investigate ET questions. I find this hard to believe. So this is remote view. I, I, as I always say, remote viewing. Don't use it as your only source of data. But Colonel Corso came to that conclusion that maybe this crash happened on purpose. He suspected that these ETs were some kind of uh, cybernetic organism. You know, as, as cybernetic organism. That's my Terminator impersonation. Uh, uh, cyborgs. These, ro you know, like biological robots. Uh, the monitor says, don't analyze. It moves on. Courtney says, the idea was to show that ETs are one, are one physical, two vulnerable, three not really different from humans, and four can make mistakes. They knew the future and thus knew they would crash. But knowing the future doesn't change the course of the event unless desired. The machine really did break and the beings really did panic, crash, and die physically. He does not make mention of of the computer to silicon chips in here. And it goes on in, in the next couple of pages where him and his monitor have a disagreement over uh, what actually happened. The monitor suspects that, oh, I'm just, I'm going to read it. It's, it's important. Okay, so in, in, in the remainder of this session, my monitor had me explore the idea that ETs may have manipulated time with regard to the event. He explained to me after the session that he believed that the military had no physical evidence of the crash. He suggested that it may be possible that the ETs knew the future and thus chose to let the action occur without intervention. 
but then after the event had occurred, they went back in time to eliminate the event by preventing the crash. I strongly objected to this hypothesis since I had indeed remote viewed the event, but my monitor continued to argue that there could be two timelines, one in which the event did occur, which is why I could remote view it, and one in which it did not, did not occur, which is why there's no physical evidence of the event. I again objected that this could not be the case since people still remember the event as it occurred in their own lives. He said that the non-physical aspects of these people would have experienced both timelines, one after the other, and thus remember the event. It would feel like deja vu rather than a clear memory. Now, this is what Philip K. Dick talked about in the 1970s at a conference in France. Deja vu is an indication that somebody went back in time and changed something in the matrix. And instead of it changing that timeline, at that point of change, a new timeline is then spun off. And that's when the deja vu occurs. If deja vu is an indication of the change in the matrix, you are a copy. If you have deja vu, you are a copy of the base timeline. Something was changed and you are in that, ch that new reality, that new timeline. I know that's it's tough. I, I go into a ton of detail in this. This is why I need to get this book done. I'm working hard in Food for the Archons explaining this, but it's important to at least get that basic understanding if there's uh, multiple timelines and stuff going on there. So we've got that possibility that, uh, I mean, I, We've got two pieces now. Colonel Corso saying that these chips were seeded for AI, you know, to ultimately come into existence. And we've got Courtney Brown. He doesn't mention the chips in AI, but he says this crash was done on purpose. That's scary. That's scary, my friends. I want to go in now talking about this hive mindset. Uh, let's see where we at here. Page 97. Forgive me. I know I should edit this out, but it's Saturday night. I'm a day behind it's already 10 of 11. I'm trying to get this out for you, but, you know, before midnight tonight. So he, he does two types of viewings in the beginning. The one, he says, uh, when he's trying to view the gray mind is the name of this chapter. And I just highlighted one line here. And I, look, I recognize I'm kind of cherry picking some stuff here um, that, that's relevant. But I'm not cherry picking things that if you keep reading, it's going to counteract what I'm saying. Um, but I am pulling out the highlights. He says, I'm also detecting movement. It is like things and or energy is moving in and out of a central location. So I, I interpret that, you know, you've got things moving in and out of a central location. That's the CPU. That's the AI. Everything's going to the AI and then it's disseminating information out. And that's what he sees when he's looking at the gray mind. Then he goes into a blind session later um, where he doesn't know what the target is. And, and here's what I, what I have highlighted here. Um, Courtney says, there's a sense of emptiness here, deep emptiness, but at the same time, the mind is filled with great awareness, even a feeling of total awareness, whatever that is. This fellow has tasks to do. He's looking into the mind of an individual gray. He is a worker and he is quite busy. I do not get much of a sense of surface emotion like humans have. If I would compare it to anything, it feels like Focus 15 at the Monroe Institute. Can you get a sense of the being superior? The mind itself is the superior. It's a collective mentality. The collective mind is the controller. No one individual is the superior. All grades are of the same mind. They are one and together. Now, I did a show well over a year ago. The audio was absolutely terrible because I didn't have good equipment. 
but it was a, a contactee who claimed he was in touch with, with I think he said the Grays. I, I'm sorry, it's been a while. But I asked, who are they? His exact words, they are us from the future. Is that what we're looking at? Is this where we're going? This hive mindset. Let this sink in. It go, he goes on. I want to read a little bit more. Survival is primary and evolution. It is one collective organism and survival is paramount as with any organism. There's a definite lack of distinction between individuals. It, it goes on. I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to try to paraphrase. I'm now in the matrix. By the matrix, that's the paper that he uses to write stuff down. It doesn't mean matrix as in the Neo sense. I'm getting the sense that there is a collective of many grays right now. Something is coming across very strongly. I get the sense that they need to get out of their physical bodies. It is a desperate need. This has a life and death quality to it. It is their absolute highest, highest priority for survival of the mind, the organism. The mind is locked up now. It absolutely must escape. Coming from very deep, there is near panic in the collective, but in a gray sense rather than as we would know it. The grays are working with humans and other for collective escape. So I'm going to pause there. And my thoughts when I read this, for whatever reason, the AI that is living through the grays, maybe that's us in the future, needs to escape because I guess the gray bodies aren't, aren't going to survive much longer. I don't know what the deal is. Are we that catalyst by which it's going to escape? Is it trying? I mean, we talk about the hybrid programs and some people have said because they need to put the, the you know, souls so the alien, these grays or these beings can better occupy the human body, which is why they have to have the hybrid program. Is, is that connected to house this consciousness to expand it AI's trying to escape think back to lawnmower man what was it he was trapped he was trying to escape is that our collective unconsciousness tapping tapping into something when that book was written I, I i don't know so why does ai need humans it goes on uh it says they will have a phys he says they will have a physical planet not earth uh, they have the ability to terraform a planet and travel anywhere they will not push humans off of earth the universe is too big for that. Um, he also says that genetics or our genetics are necessary. Grays are very aware that they do not die. Their physical bodies are seen as clothing or shells and death is not a meaningful concept to them in the way we think about it. Uh, I'm skipping around here. The ideal environment is an evolutionary new set of individual bodies. The grays are in a birthing process. They are preparing to leave the collective identity and become linked individuals instead. This is interesting. At their core, there is a fear and awe or perhaps wonder at how humans do it. Exist and prosper, that is, as individualized identities. They know they need some of this but are frightened of it as well. He says, and the monitor says, cue on time for physical meetings with grays and human representatives. Courtney Brown says, many interactions are happening now, but none with human representatives as aware and equal participants. They are afraid in their own way of interacting with unleashed humans. They do not want to give up the sense of control or authority, but they know that they must do this somehow. They need help. They are stuck. Now, I'm speculating here. 
and, and it hurts my head to think about, but let's say the grades are us in the future and they've taken on this form of AI and they've tied into this hive mind and they need to get out and they want to become individuals again. They want to become us. And Courtney Brown didn't gather that data, so I'm not putting words in his mouth. I'm just trying to piece different things together. Um, I'm wondering if this is a possibility or if this is just a similar timeline. But if time travel is possible and they realize that whatever their situation is now, it's not working. So now they've come back in time to try to alter things and they seeded this technology this AI technology, maybe it's a new type of technology, which maybe it created a new timeline. Could that explain part of the Mandela effect as well? Could that tie in? Maybe I'm just throwing all these buzzwords out there to make things fit. Am I nuts, guys? Am I nuts? I really feel like I am. He concludes the chapter with this in his discussion piece. And I think this is important. Given the substance of gray interactions with humans as reported in the abduction literature, he says, see especially Jacobs 1992 and Mac 1994, it's easy to see how the activities and intentions of grays could be misunderstood as hostile from a human perspective. But it may turn out that the grays are less of an invading army than a rescuing cavalry. They may do things to us that we do not understand or like, but they are not evil. Of this I am now certain. We simply do not yet understand this species. Nothing in my experience as a remote viewer suggests that grays see us as an enemy. They may be both may be, be afraid both of us and of what we represent, but they need us spiritually as, we, as well as physically. Unless we judge too quickly, we may need them for our own evolutionary survival just as clearly. In short, we need to know more, much more about them, ourselves, and the role that we should play in this intensely interesting drama. I suggest that it may be wise to postpone our judgments of all non-human species until we advance a bit more in our own understanding of the broader galactic community. I respect that about Courtney Brown. Um, he's very open-minded. He's very peace-oriented. I, I don't know how I feel about all that right now. I'm, I'm worried about how our consciousness is being manipulated and altered right now. Uh, and we're driving it through our smartphones by checking our smartphones and tying ourselves into all of that stuff. Uh, it has me extremely concerned. I want to keep going. I've got one more thing, two more sections I want to share with what Courtney Brown was talking about. Uh, as I'm looking for my pages here. So he did a remote viewing session where he was supposed to be viewing Jesus. And I'm going to skip through this chapter real quick. Um, but what he saw was this building. when he, the target. He didn't know what the target was, but he talks about this building and he says, there is an urgent health problem, a planetary concern. There seems to be a connection in the minds of these people for the centers of disease with the centers of disease control. There are multiple problems, many places on the planet. There is a combination of starvation and sickness. There are new diseases, new forms of bacteria, new viruses, even radiation mutations. The folks in the pub public health building are trying to figure out ways to control the situation as it simultaneously is spinning out of control. Does that not sound like a lot of the stuff that's going on now? I just read another article. As more ice melts, Arctic ice melts, it may be unleashing bacteria and viruses that we're not equipped to fight off uh, You know, with this climate change and global warming. Radiation, Fukushima. I need to say more. Skipping around again, he says, this being seems to be telling me that the situation has been set up 
so that no physical solution can remedy the problem. The idea is to force humans out of their physical entrapment and thereby save the race. All right, I know I'm piecing random crap together right now. What if, as this AI is developing, as we're developing the ability to link ourselves to the cloud, as it's gathering these virtual copies of ourselves, at the same time, that's when we'll see all this Armageddon crap coming out here saying, you're not going to make it. But if you can upload your mind into this virtual world, all these problems will go away. Transcend your physical bodies and go into AI, into God, as it will become. I suspect this has already been done and it's being done again. But think, think about that for a minute. Now, if you think that's a crazy idea, Watch the show, The 100. I want to say season two. It's the same freaking thing. I'm just making that connection now, but that's exactly what they did in The 100. Wow, I need to pause for a minute, man. I want to share one more thing where he uh, he spoke with Jesus again. Uh, page 148. I hope you guys are processing this. I began by asking Jesus again if he wanted us humans to work with the Greys regarding their genetics project. His response was nearly a command. He categorically stated that we must work with them. They are God's children, no less valuable than those we call human. I asked him if the Grey project had something to do with a greater evolutionary goal, like merging with God in some way. He responded in the affirmative. He then told me that their program is to enable their physical mind circuits. That's an interesting word physical mind circuits to recapture the flexibility required for individualized personality development. That development is what is needed for God consciousness. But he wanted me not to misinterpret him. In their own way, they are already close to God. And, and it goes in, you know, talks a little bit more about that. I, I don't even know how I feel about that. I just felt it was important to share it with all of you. Hopefully you can connect those pieces yourself. But he's, he's talking to, to Jesus, allegedly. And I'm not criticizing Courtney Brown's data at all. I'm, I'm analyzing it. And he's saying it's important that we work with the grays. Now, here's what I'm going to tie in. <clears throat> the Gnostic teachings, the book, the Nag Hammadi Library, among others, talks about aeons. Aeons are basically, if you understand, think about Moses for a minute. This has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I just want to use an example here. Moses talked to the burning bush, the bush that was confirmed, you know, was burning but not consumed by the flames. He didn't have the vocabulary to say artificial spotlight if it was a spaceship or something, right? He used the terminology of his time. The Gnostics did the same thing. And, you know, I'm not going to read from it now because I'm really going longer than I wanted to tonight. The Gnostics talk about aeons. Aeons are these conscious beings that also exist as realities that, that you know, we exist within them, basically. Sophia, Sophia, she left the God source or the Pleroma, the central part, and fell. And she created our world by herself. We exist within Sophia as a part of her. The further away you move from God, if you want to use that term, the Pleroma, source, whatever, 
as an aeon, you know, copies of copies of copies. It talks about alternate realities, virtual realities, other universes, which we are creating right now. The further away you remove yourself, the the less pristine your copy is. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you've got copies of copies of copies of copies of copies. So in order to evolve, in order to get to God, you need to ascend through each one of these virtual worlds, these aeons, these virtual realities. I, I, I'm, I'm limiting what I'm saying here on this it, it, because it, it's a whole other show in and of itself. It took me, I forget how many thousands of words to explain this in my book. <clears throat> this exists. The Gnostics talked about it. They talked about aeons. They talked about what they called aeonic copies, which were exact replicas of actual aeons, of actual realities, where parts of your soul went to learn something and were then, when it learned whatever it needed to learn, when it absorbed that light, was then placed back with the original copy. Basically, you go out, the ledger that they're talking about in Google goes out, it learns what it needs to learn, and then it uploads itself to your consciousness so you now have that information. The Gnostics were writing this down 1,400 years ago, and what happened? They were killed, the books were burned. This has happened before, and it's happening again. I'm starting to make my head hurt. I don't know that I can go on with this anymore. Um... It's in food for the archons, my friends. I'm working hard to get it out there. I feel like in, in the short time I have each week on a show, I can't do it justice. Uh, I, I really, I'm formatting things now, um, and, and I'm, I'm close. I'm close. Please be patient, um, but it's coming. I need to end the show here. It's Saturday night, 11 o'clock. I still got to put up the show notes, do the newsletter, and uh, publish the show. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And uh, have a great week. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been yet another episode of The Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. And don't forget, check us out, sixcentsmedia.net.